So this is Chuck at Last Recovery Podcast at the Junction of Faith and Recovery. This is uh, Lesson thir- uh, Y2, and what I want to try to do with this before I talked about uh, the whys that recovery people might ask about Jesus, this one I want to talk a little bit about the, the why gyrations that people of faith and church people bring to the whole thing of recovery and faith. So I talked a little bit about the difficulties of recovery people coming to Jesus. Talk about the faith people because theoretically they have faith, but they exhibit their caution in different ways. A lot of them will, I mean, everybody of faith questions. And, and basically, the reasons are honest, and sometimes they're, they're not really complicated. They are just simply that the consequences of the faith make it difficult for them, people, to, to deal with the situation. It's, it's a difficult situation. So let's just talk a little bit about uh, religious people, you know, faith people. You know, there's a broad spectrum for recovery people listening. You know, faith isn't a simple thing in churches because there are so many different types. I mean, recovery people know about different types of things. There's... There's different types of meetings, and there's different types of emphasis. There's the hardcore big book people and the, the low-core, easy-does-it type of people. There's the young people, and there's the, the gay groups, and there's a whole bunch of different groups. And they have their own things that they want to deal with. So, but what about faith people? Why... I mean, if you don't know anything about it, um, faith people are like recovery people. All they need is a resentment, and they go and make another meeting in another denomination. So why do they get upset? Uh, f- fundamentally, they get upset for the same reason. Upset for the same reason you do. They don't like the consequences of the type of faith that's being put out there so they take their resentment and they form another meeting they form another denomination that emphasizes what they want to emphasize and de-emphasizes what they don't want to deal with you know you should be able to identify an aa that's just a given thing that's that's just the way it does that's the way it goes you know that's just that's just the that's just the game of how it goes you don't like it, you change it. The problem with that is, is that in church, there's a few things that are sort of held as concrete. And it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of explosion to, to change that. And if you think about it, you know, and I want to go over it so you understand it's a very human thing. It's a very human thing to, to, to have all that change. 
And there's a whole group right now that says that, you know, what the Bible that we have isn't the Bible that was because it's had all these changes. It's had all these differences and stuff like that. So that's the, that's the basic way of it. Now, I'm sure recovery people, can they don't get upset about that. It's just the way it is. Well, faith people, you know, the, the, the consequences are higher because the terminology is higher. And that's one of the reasons why recovery people don't want to go to Jesus because, you know, he didn't talk easy peasy. He said things that are very, very difficult to deal with. Now, that's one of the reasons recovery people don't want to go to Jesus because the things he said turned them off. And it's recorded that he realized what he was saying was turning people off. And he accepted it. His response was, well, this is, I'm here to talk for the Father. If the Father says it, I say it. If you don't like it, that's not my problem because I'm, I'm here to do the Father's will, not, not fix you up. That's a little tough. So recovery people basically re- reject that offhand. Faith people are into the Jesus thing a lot of times, and so they've got to come up with more creative ways to evade the, the more difficult things. So they're playing the same game you are, and, and they try to sort of avoid seeing it. But you have to be, you gotta understand. You can't judge them, because you gotta understand the bind they're in. And, and, a, and also to understand the bind you're in. That's the dilemma of Christian faith. It promises a lot, but there's a lot of difficult faith leaps to take. And when you discover that it's most likely true, then that creates a whole bunch of conflicts. And understanding those conflicts will give you a certain amount of sympathy for the faith people. And it will put into perspective your program in recovery and why you why people in AA are so hostile towards the Jesus thing because a lot of the Jesus stuff is unpalatable not because it's not true it's just that it's not doesn't taste good you know that's that's the real issue is the consequences of the message are, are difficult. My dad used to say, you know, it's, it's easy unless you put the connections together. You know, those connections are difficult to deal with. And his solution was to sort of edge to the liberal side of things. I, I'm not, I don't have that privilege. I'm pretty pretty aspy, you know, it is what it is what it is. So I have to deal with it right up front. So let's talk about some of these things that are so difficult so you can understand faith people. And also you listen and you 
you, you're going to get some idea of what's going on with what's going on in the faith thing and how the Jesus decision isn't an easy decision. So let's let's look at there. Person comes to Jesus. I've talked about it in a previous lesson. It comes to an understanding and awareness of who Jesus is, and he he asks him into his life, and he starts to digest what that means. You know, he knows that if he wants to know Jesus, he needs to read the Bible. So that that the premise is that Jesus is. You need to know the Bible to understand the understand the, the faith. So he starts reading the Bible, and and this, this is an intro to a f- story of a friend that I got sober with. He was a he was a, he was sober in my range. I was two or three or four years sober, and he was he wasn't no 15 year sober guy. He was he wasn't just in the door, but he wasn't you know, that long sober. And he went to a Billy Graham crusade and he got, he did the thing. He walked down, he had an experience, he was interested in learning more and so we set up a Bible study. And we went in and and the Bible study was simple. We just opened the book of John, it's a gospel, it's one of the stories of Jesus and we started reading it. You know, it was just like we'd ran it like an AA meeting, you know, reading read the text and talk about it. That was, the, that was the thing. Well, he made it through one meeting, and then he said, I, the, I can't do this. This is not for me. And you say, what's the problem? What, what, how, how bad can it be that you read one, one or two chapters of John, and it's like, or something. It's just, it was, the problem was, then he, they talked standard Christian biblical theology. In other words, you don't, you don't have sexual relations outside of marriage. It was an Old Testament Jewish thing. It was just, it wasn't like he invented something. It was just, he was just saying, hey, this is what the law says. You know, I agree with it. Well, my friend just said, I, this is not gonna work. Why didn't it work? I'm sure you can figure out why it didn't work. You know, it, it's, it's the same. If, if you understand this, you understand all about Christian theology and Christian history. Christian theology and Christian history collides with reality. Collides with reality. It collides with, it says no to things that, you know, we don't want no said to. So the choice is, you either leave or you try somehow to change it. I mean, you know, AA's the same thing, you know, I mean, it's, the trump card is, well, they, Bill W. said it in the big book, Trump, that's the trump card, that's it, you know, that's end of argument. Well, it's the same thing in the Bible, except for the fact that what they're saying is so difficult. My friend, you know, even by AA moral standards, was a little, a little on the outside. I mean, he wasn't unusual. Generally speaking, you can find 
you know, everybody within their, they've been around a while within their circle knows somebody like my friend. Today's parlance, they say he was a predator. You know, in AA, it was not quite that, but it was sort of like, seriously, they have a word for it, what he was doing, and I can't repeat it here. But, you know, he, he was a predator on young ladies who were just coming into the program. You know, not as much as some and not as egregious as some. We had guys that were, you know, in their 40s, mid-40s, who were, who were preying on women getting sober who were three months sober and barely into their 20s. It was, we, had, we definitely had names for them. I knew them. I knew like that. It wasn't, I didn't respect them at all. And they did it serially, one after another, after another, after another, after another. It wasn't pretty. But this guy wasn't like that. He was pretty much, he was, he was preying on sort of lateral moves, people his age, round about his sobriety length. So it was a little less disfavored. But still, it was, you know, he was, and I've seen it, I ran a sober house, I've seen it. It's like, you know, people are getting sober, they're getting clean, they're doing, they're discovering things, and, and they're, they're running through relationships like, you know, like you change your clothes to wash, go to the laundry. I mean, it would, you know, a, a three-month relationship was almost like a lifetime. Um, this guy was doing physical relationships with women, and you had trouble keeping them on one hand, the fingers of one hand, over six months. And sometimes he wasn't monogamous. It was like he didn't, he didn't wait to get the new one before he traded the old one in. So it was, it was a little disgusting, but he was a personable guy, and it, and it, was, it was part of his recovery, so, so to speak. So he, he hit the Bible one night, and it, it just, he said, hey, I just, this is not going to work for me. You know, and everybody understood why. We didn't even talk to him about it. I didn't like say, hey, you, you rotten bugger, you did, what's, what's going on? You know, you turned your life over to Jesus and now you're walking away. We understood completely why. Because the Bible was saying what he was doing wasn't according to the Bible. That's what the Bible was saying. You, no, you can't. Well, that turns out to be pretty much the story. If you want to understand Christians and you want to understand the church, it is mostly a, a battle over whether the Bible wins or the Bible loses. And there's a middle ground there that people use. I mean, to understand church and stuff like that, you understand that a person comes in and you have the choice, you have my friend's choice, listen, hear, and book out and say, forget it, I'm not, this is not, not for me. The other choice is to you know, argue with the Lord and finally give up and understand that's what it has to be, or they just simply 
go to church, do what they're going to do, and manage to fit that in with their their Christian walk. You know, it's not a very good witness, but it's a, it's a way to go, um, very common in the church. But I think I would recovery people, I want you to understand that the church people don't just come to this easy. You know, it requires a change because there are reasons people do what they do. People like relationships and people don't like commitment. And usually if one's good, five is better. And if it's people, then five is better than one. If you can juggle all that stuff, which you can't. So if, if the faith is important to you, you have to find a way to rationalize. And if you think about that, you can understand the way you say, well, why are Christians such hypocrites? They're hypocrites because the good side is they want Jesus. The bad side is they want everything else too. And they really don't want to hear about Jesus saying no. So you're, you're complaining about church people being hypocrites. They're hypocrites because they're trying to be faithful to Jesus, but they're not having success. You can't complain about them when you don't even try to do anything. Well, I'm not a hypocrite. No, you're, you're what my friend was. You just don't care enough. You don't care about the consequences of what you're doing. But you're definitely not a hypocrite because, you know, everybody knows you're like my friend. They just factor in the fact that you're, you're that way. That's tough duty. But you judge Christians because they're hypocrites. You know, but you're not a hypocrite because you do all the things they don't say not to do. No, you're one of those that do the things that, that Jesus says not to do. They have names for that. But, see, Christians don't want to be far from Jesus because they're smart. But they want to do what they want to do. So the thing is that they have to, they have to find a way around that. And you're going to call them a hypocrite and a bunch of other stuff, but it's, it's a very human operation. You want to be with the girl, and she wants you to go to church. So you go to church, and the, the fruits of your relationship, so you're in a bad position. You know, you got to justify trying to drag the girl off to do things that her conscience doesn't want to do. So it's it, welcome to the world of the junction between faith and recovery. That's what it's all about. Because faith people have to rationalize their doing things that the Bible says aren't good. And recovery people just basically want to be free to define God the way is convenient for them. You say, well, 
church people are hypocrites. No, it's very human nature. Very human nature to try to sort of uh, hedge bets. Try to hedge bets and, and change things. And that's what this lesson is about, is the, the links we go to, all of us, to try to get the most out of faith and give the least amount. You say, no, I just not enough. Just trust me, I'm 75 years old, going on 76. Trust me. You know, you can say, no, 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 no. I've met some that do a pretty good job of, of living it. You know, they're what you'd call no doubters. They're, they're obedient. They've, they've settled themselves into an obedient lifestyle. And, and they, they, they get the fruits of peace, love, joy, meek, just mind us, generous. You know, the whole fruits of the Spirit they get. Because there's the old church saying, you know, trust and obey, there is no other way. They trust God and they obey and they get the fruit of that Spirit. They get the peace, love, joy, meekness, mildness, gentleness. They get all that because they obey. But some of us, a lot of us, whatever, we could win Olympics with our gymnastics about the way we do this stuff. And that's what this lesson is about, is just reminding all of us that we go to any lengths. Look at, look at Adam and Eve. Well, God did, did God really say not to eat the apple? You know, hey, well, Eve says, well, if I eat the apple, Adam will eat the apple because I'm a bigger priority than God. And he did exactly that. He ate the apple. And in the story, it goes the fact that it didn't go well with God because Adam ate the apple. It wasn't an issue of the apple. It was an issue of somewhere along the line there has to be obedience to what God wants because he's smarter. And and we just don't buy that. So we basically we rationalize and shut our eyes and close our mind and you know do what we want to do. And what we end up with is we end up unable to see the forest for the trees. So I want you to understand, you know, Christians fight that battle too. I mean, you say, I want God as I understand him. You know, well, let's be honest. You know, why do you want God as you understand him? It's control. You say, well, God, I just don't believe you're that way. That's just fine. Fine. I am what I am. My standards are my standards, and if you don't want to believe it, that's fine. But you don't have a say in the end. And, and that is where you're going to shut this off because you don't want to hear that. That's why AA is God as we understand him. Because we're going to understand him the way we want to understand him, not the way he is. Christians are different. They, they gonna, they're going to fight over their theology and they're going to do a bunch of stuff. It takes them longer, but it's going to do the same thing. They're going to try to manage, manage their understanding of who God is to make it easier for themselves. For, for very human reasons very human reasons. There's nothing complicated about it. It's a very human thing. I get it. You know, the, 
the people who have the biggest struggle are, are you know, the uh, people of gay persuasions and stuff like that because, I mean, they're in a situation where they sort of, they're jammed up. That's why they go to emergent churches because emergent churches have found a way to try to get get themselves under both tents. I mean, that explains the emergent churches. That's the rainbow flags at churches. That's, that's, that's what they're doing. You know, they're trying to get themselves under both tents at the same time. And who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? You know, it's not my business. But my job is just to say, you know, I think this is what's going on. All of us, all human beings, are trying to split the differences and get what we want, try to maneuver and find a church that says what we want to hear. And there are churches that are very successful at doing that. They'll say what you need to hear, you know. Uh, The only problem is that in the end, whatever happens, if there is a God, you know, we don't have any ground to stand on in the end. You are only facing him alone, and that's the problem. You know, that's where you you got to do a little creative stuff with your theology. You know, that's the, that's the thing. But the thing I want to make Lazarus Recovery Podcast at the junction of faith and recovery, we are all alike. We are all alike. We need God We need something spiritual thing to keep us clean, keep us sober, keep us going, the power to to live the way we need to live. And yet we are still all bound up in in the dilemma of trying to figure out how we maneuver the God thing. I mean, we have to tie ourselves in knots to persuade ourselves we're, we're okay with God at the same time while we're, we're fudging. So we, we just end up doing things to, I mean, you know, it's just God as I understand him, you know, just, you know, I'm going to take God the way I want to take God. He doesn't have anything to say about it. Precious, intelligent decision, as long as it's all about who we want to be. As long as we can avoid thinking about the fact that he has the right to say how we are. That's, and we can avoid the issues of like, some point, are not going to be able to you know, cover our own tail on the thing that we got to come to him, or we can just believe it's not going to happen that way. You know, so that's the thing. That's the universal why. Why do I have to go through this? I don't want to do this. I want to do this. You know, whether you're an agnostic, a Jesus person, whether you're whatever, the issue is all the same. We're the same. We, we struggle against the same bloody things. And that's why, too, that's the whole thing of... And, and I just wanted to be able to talk honestly one side can't tell the other one your your pot is black we all do that both sides 
we all, it's almost like we're like strategizing to, to finesse the goods out of something without really paying the price that's there. We're, the funny thing is, is I was just thinking, it's, I, I ran a sober house for, for five and a half years. I'm sober for 47, um, seen a lot of things been through a lot of stuff if you don't know it already human beings are gamey people our best intentions are wrecked by our thing that AA calls it the disease is cunning baffling and powerful we are cunning baffling and powerful I was ran I hope sober house for five and a half years I did prison ministry I did a lot of stuff work with Christians, I've worked with inmates, I've worked with people, I, I was married to a crazy lady. And the thing that's amazing is that we are very good at being duplicitous. You say, that's not me, I'm, I'm, I'm AA and I'm living a good life. You know, you, you, chances are your, your God is is a lot your own creation. It, it, you've created a God that works for you, and it works for you. It works for you. But you say, well, I'm having spiritual experiences. Yeah. But you're, it's, trust me, trust me. Not everything in a spiritual night is your friend. You know, it's just like being in the woods. Not everything that rustles in the bush is your friend. And it doesn't mean that it's not real that it rustles in the bush. It means it's not your friend. So there are spiritual things that are not your friend. You know, I'm having a spiritual experience. Okay, that's fine. Spiritual stuff is a, is a jungle, too. You know, read the Bible. It's, it's, it's not all pretty. It's hard, it's dangerous. So just because you're having a good spiritual experience does not necessarily mean that it's, it's as friendly as you think it is. But that's for you to decide. You know, everybody stands on their own, they make their own decisions, they do your own thing. I can't, I can talk, but I can't have an effect. I, I completely understand that you have every right to listen or not listen, every right to disagree, every right to, to think I'm an idiot. I get it. I completely get it. I'm 76, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I understand. I understand me and how vulnerable I am. And I understand your situation and how, how, how it's, a, it's a struggle. And I don't judge you for it. It's just like I'm telling you the best I know about the truth I have. That's the important thing. That's what I want you to understand. We all do the thing. We all do the thing of trying to filter out the things we don't want to deal with. We don't want to deal with the reality we have. We, we want to change it. So in our spiritual life, we pick and we choose. You pick a choose, a church that teaches what you want to hear. You know, don't you say you don't do that, don't. You go to a meeting 
that that tells you what you want to hear or not what you don't want to hear. And that's that's human nature, except for the fact that it is it is a problem. It's a problem because you're not getting the right information. So what I, what I want what I want is for that's the lesson. The lesson is is that you you complain about church people being hypocrites. Yes. There's no argument. They're just trying to find a comfort. They're like we're like dogs that are trying to find a comfortable place to lay down. We adjust things around, we do things and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, we we want the relationship that we want and we want the flavor that we want, we taste that we want. You know, we don't want anybody to tell us what to do and what not to do. We don't want anybody to tell us that we can't have a relationship with somebody of a different race. You know, we don't want anybody to tell us that we have to cede to somebody else's opinion of what's right and wrong. We want to do what we want to do. We want to do what works for us. And we definitely don't want anybody to tell us what's right and wrong. So when somebody like Jesus comes along and says, this is the way it is, our itchy ears are going to find somebody to tell us that we can have Jesus and we don't have to listen to this other stuff because the Bible's maybe not authoritative. It's not rocket science. It's going to be there. You say, well, why? Is, is, is it opposed? If only just by our human nature, we don't want people to tell us what to do. But spiritually, there's going to be an awful lot of opposition because it is what it is. If you don't know what it is, like I've said before, and I'll end with this, I've said before, if you don't think Jesus is real, that's fine. But I dare you, I absolutely dare you, to have an open mind and go to the God that you understand. You go to God and say, and go to Jesus in particular and say, Lord, if you're real, show me. Honestly, I'm, I want you to, I, I don't know. Honestly, show me. Have an open mind and pray and wait and I'm not giving you something that's going to be fun. Because as soon as you open your heart to that, all of a sudden, you know, you're going to feel like you're, you're, you're in a mud, mud wallow and 50 million people are marching over you. It goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It's like you're the, you know, the Russians and the Ukrainians are marching all over you. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be difficult. There's a resistance to that. But I dare you. You know, have an open mind. Go to God as you understand Him and say, Lord, show me. Just show me about this. And in the meantime, give the other side a little slack. I remember my Navy days, give the other side a little slack. Because they are very much like you, even though you don't like them. Recovery people are are the most, I I just love them to pieces. You know, I got sober there, I love them to pieces, I like their honesty, they like everything about them, you know. But, you know, and church people can be extremely frustrating because you hope for them, just your hope is 
above the, just as really high. And they're human beings and they disappoint and you get crushed because you think that they are what they think they are. And they're not, they're human beings. You know, Jesus is who you think, I think he is. But the people aren't necessarily as good as the savior that they serve. And that's okay. That's okay. So just have an open mind and go before the Lord and ask. It's not a puzzle. We all avoid the hard stuff. But just because it's hard does not mean it's true. And that is a difficult nut to crack. And that's a difficult thing to swallow. That the true meal is a very difficult meal to eat. Jesus talked all about it. Take up your cross and follow me. That's not, that's not like, oh, warm fuzzies, I'm going to get everything I want. That's a hard nut to follow because that means that there is difficulty. The treasure is hidden and defended well. So that's, that's, a, that's it. we're the same. We're the recovery and faith are the same, but we're different. And we can learn a lot from the differences and similarities. So that's what I got. My name's Chuck, and I'm an alcoholic, and I'm a believer in Jesus. And I just, I, I wish you the best. We're done Easter, and we're tearing off onto the summer and stuff like that. So, you know, if you have anything, let me know. Text me or, you know, leave a message and stuff like that, and I'll get back to you. If you want to curse me out, that's fine. You know, I've been there, done that, got a t-shirt on all of that. Get it? I get it. what I'm saying is difficult. So I just want you to, to be safe. I want to encourage you in your faith. I want to encourage you in your sobriety. And I want to inform you about the country you're traveling over. So this is Chuck at Last Recovery Podcast at the junction of faith and recovery. Um, you know, don't drink and go to a meeting. And I love you to pieces. And, you know, Jesus is risen. That's it. This is Chuck at Lazarus Recovery Podcast at the junction of faith and recovery.